Welcome to V'ger, please. Starting on time, online for the last at the time. correct link, and it, and literally here in uh, I, it, it is July twenty third, two thousand nineteen. This, yeah, this is this is unfortunately the end of the Hangouts uh, support. So this is the last time we'll be able to do a live broadcast using this format. Though we might try and figure out some other way to do it, but it literally took until uh, the end of the support for doing live streams through Google Hangouts for me to to manage to do this correctly. But I did it. My hat's off to you, Joe. It's, uh, <laughs> it's been a long time. And... I'm almost 36. This shit is hard. <laughs> well, it doesn't get any easier into 37. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> but uh, welcome to our season three. Rest in peace. We are excited. We have finished the first forty percent of Voyager. Uh, I would say the uh, the first uh, major act of Voyager is over, and we are heading now into perhaps the the more famous and uh, both beloved and reviled parts of the show. And uh, a lot of momentous things are about to change. So it's a it's a good time to look back and. Take a look at the season that was, what we liked, what we didn't, what we think of the changes to come, what some theories some of our fans have about things we talk about on the show. So I'm excited to dig into this, man. How about you? I have been looking forward to this for a while and looking back and doing my homework on the notes. This is a long ass season. We have covered a lot of ground. I want to say that season two topped out at uh, what sixteen or seventeen episodes, maybe. Now season two was a full load. It was twenty six. You're right. Yeah, um, it, it took us longer to do this because we had uh, uh, some weeks we took off. We almost spent the whole month we took off. So we started doing season three in December of last year, and it's taken us until now to finish it. So covered a lot of ground. And most of it's been pretty good. Looking back through the notes, I've really enjoyed. I'm. I dare say I loved season three. Okay. I, I, I got to already stop you there. I, I went back as part of our homework that we do mm. for this process and look back at all the episodes. And I will agree that there was more like B minus to B episodes. Like there is a greater quantity of things that were like, this is fine or this is pretty good. But when I actually like looked at the what are the A episodes versus what are the F episodes, the Fs still deeply outweighed the As. No. Yes. There are some very, very potent Fs in there, but I think overall I counted and I just did like a check and an X to say what was good and what wasn't good. And I came out with 18 good episodes out of the season. I guess... There is a difference between you and I about what you're willing to say is good, and I, I guess I have a stricter sense of that. And you know, I, I think that comes down to this is new for you, so perhaps maybe you have a greater appreciation for it as a consequence. Like this is you're discovering something fresh to you. Like this is this is untapped trek, and you didn't know that that some of it was actually good. Maybe that's. That's the yeah, comment, but I mean, but... shouldn't that have been the way that you watched it too initially? I mean, the first time you watched it, albeit back in the 90s, um, you know, it would have all been new to you as well. So I wonder if, well, you seem to have a pretty negative opinion of it during your initial run through. 
I don't know if it's just you were in a different place, the world was in a different place, uh, or just the passage of time has soured things further. But um, I actually appreciated the show more. I would agree that season three was the best of the three seasons so far. I would agree that overall its quality has been higher. But I, I think it comes down to this. Uh, do, do you remember the episode Remember from early on in season three where it was the Bolana has sexy dreams? Of course. Do you think that was good? No. Okay, I was about to say, like, that. that's the kind of, like, was it great? No. Was it, like, interesting enough that I watched it and I didn't hate it? Was it, like, a C plus, B minus? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Like, there was more of that unless this is turgid crap. And it definitely improved things overall. But let's, let's cut to the chase, my man. Let's talk top three, bottom three. Oh, you want to get right into the nitty gritty? There's going to be no discussions of Picard. I want to do a discussion of Picard, but let's actually discuss Star Trek Voyager before we discuss Picard. Because I got, you insist. If you I got insist. fucking fear. I got a whole like board over off screen that's like the the always sunny in Philadelphia. Like I'm trying to find Pepe Silva, you know. <laughs> so we'll get into that. But what uh, when we were reviewing like what are the A episodes? of Voyager season three and what are the contenders? These are the ones I came up with that are contenders. Worst right. case scenario, the yes. shoot. Okay. Warlord. Absolutely. Fair trade. And then before and after, which was the cast time travel episode. Give those me those are, again real quick. Worst case scenario, the shoot. Warlord. Fair trade. And before and after. I'm sorry, are you saying fair trade on best episodes? Yeah, absolutely. The 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 Neelix uh oh, oh I'm sorry. Drug deal episode. That for, for for false profits. I was like, yeah. oh, God. Are, you, are you on heroin right now? What what I the in southern Ohio? You never know, but <laughs> yeah, what what's what's the billboard say? Uh uh you wouldn't know that it's as bad as it is. It's uh Oh. Yeah, there's, we, we have somebody here who's saying Blood Fever better be in the top three. Uh, top top three awkward uh, sexual encounters, maybe. Top top three Lisa Kink episodes. Top <laughs> three hostile workplace episodes, absolutely. Top, top, top Definitely top three HR sexual harassment claims. Mm. Uh, not my top three episodes. Uh, I would, I guess maybe blood fever is another indicative episode of Voyager. Did I hate it? No. What did I love it? No, but was it like a B minus? Yeah. I mean, it had a ridiculous ass ending, but it was like trying to do something interesting and then, you know, turn the Vulcans all into a bunch of space rapists. But <laughs> there is something that happens, especially on these long episodes or these long seasons where you forget the details and you just see the peaks and the valleys. And I think that's what comes to define a lot of these episodes looking back on it. Like, man, I remember this one really potent thing that was really awesome. And it kind of just uh, colors your entire opinion of that episode. Um, Blood fever certainly had some of those elements to it. Uh, but I think for my my best episode spread, I went with Warlord, which I've gone on at length about why I liked it. Fair Trade, uh, and that was the Neelix, uh, Necretic Expanse, drug deal gone wrong. 
I put Unity on there, which is where we have Chakotay joining the 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 Borg hippie co-op, and then worst case scenario. So we've got a lot of overlap between those two lists. I did not put the shoot on there because I can recognize why people liked it a lot, but we are awash in jail episodes. So. Yeah, it's it's true. The jailbreak is not exactly new ground. It is soiled old ground. I but it's count. definitely the, the, the peak of the jailbreaking. You know, yeah. like oh, oh, yeah, yeah. shanks and everything. That's, uh, that's yeah, that's that's pinnacle, pinnacle jail. I did a count there were 11 jailbreak episodes out of season three. 11. <laughs> so less than half, more than a third. Yeah. Of the episodes involved some kind of jailing. What are you going to go with your best episode? I'm going to start you... with my third. I'm going to work my way up. All right. Okay. In third for me uh, is warlord. I felt like it was a great, Kess episode it gave Jennifer Lean a unique opportunity to like play outside of her comfort zone I was torn I wanted to pick yeah, either before or after a warlord as my third best and I, ch- I chose I chose warlord because I felt like she, she got to shine as an actress a lot in that it went to interesting headcanon places with her psychic abilities it was a well-structured episode. The fact that she, you know, kind of slinked around like a sexy vampire cat trying to like, you know, hook up with everyone was hilarious. And then in the end, like the, the mind confrontation she had within her own brain, like there's so much going on there. I thought that's worthy. Uh, my, my second was actually the shoot, which I know isn't on your list, but it is the episode that actually cements Tom Paris and Harry Kim being bros. And that's supposed to be such this big thing in the show. And that's supposed to be define the relationship. And that is the episode that finally like pays that off and like makes that a thing. And it's also like the only episode in this, in the season where I think Garrett Wang gets an opportunity to like be an actor and like, and be a man, be a man, demonstrate some <laughs> ability. And so I, I wanted to, I just really like that for, for canon reasons that is in the season and that was as good as it was. I, I just loved all like the minor characters playing out the space madness shit from the prison, like playing the brain and how that affects Harry and Tom. And like at the end, it's not just like washed away. They're like dealing with the consequences for a little bit. And then my best is fair trade because I feel like that paid off so much about Neelix's story and made me like him as a character, which I thought would be impossible. He's the filthy space cat that got the the entire ship sick with cheese. And here we are really like seeing this guy having gone on a journey and changed as, as a person and being confronted with his past and willing to lay down his life and, and no longer be the cowardly space cat. And if, if I can make me respect Neelix, I gotta, I gotta say that's just the best episode of the season. I went with fair trade as my number three. Uh, all the things you said about the Neelix character development are absolutely true. But what I really loved about fair trade was the amount of world building that they did by describing this little rinky dink space station on the edge of the necritic expanse and fleshing out what the Delta quadrant could be when they really put the effort into, to make it a place that's real and lived in. Uh, Agreed entirely. Yeah. Agreed entirely. My number two, I went with warlord. 
uh, I'll be the president of the Kess fan club. This could have been such a hokey shit script episode, but I think everybody just sold the hell out of it. It was a lot of wild decisions out of Janeway to get involved in civil wars. And, and it was a very heavy action episode, but I think it did a great job putting Kess in the helm of uh, carrying an entire plot and making some pretty big decisions. I liked seeing the practical effects, which we'll get into a little bit later. Those little tubes on people's faces shooting blood everywhere. Her sexy cat time. Um, it, it was it was a fun episode with uh, with some really good, you know, thematic changes to the way that these characters work. But I went with worst case scenario as my top pick. It was fun. It was, of course, a return of Seska. It was, uh, it spoke to me as a gamer in this yeah. adventure <laughs> that they had. It was a fun episode where you had Star Trek Starfleet characters acting like a family, doing that workplace thing. And then, you know, things got real. And I think that they, again, you know, we just reviewed that not too long ago. I think it was two good episodes they could have split up. And the fact that they worked them together and it played off as good as it did is a, a big credit to everybody involved in that. I'll remember that one for a long time. I'll remember all four of these for a long time. And let's let's give the shout out where it's necessary. Talking about worst case scenario, Jack, uh, <laughs> you are a legend for creating your choose your own adventure story uh, interactive game for uh, Harry Kim's playthrough. That shit is amazing. Uh, and uh, forever, uh, worst case scenario will be in my heart simply because I still haven't beaten your game. I'm gonna, I'm gonna sit down and try and figure out a way to beat it here shortly. But I spent Kali a couple hours at work <laughs> trying to do it. Couldn't do it. My phone almost ran out of power. So hats off to you, man. Uh, we give you a shout out in one of the episodes we recorded, so that'll be kind of awkward in, in terms of the timing. But I. You deserve every mention of it, man. That was amazing. I want to call out to our chat room right now. There was a question as to how many shells were destroyed. I don't know. I ran out of fingers sometime <laughs> halfway through season two. They, you know, they run out of, sh they blow up shuttles like I throw away straws from McDonald's cups. Like Whatever. Just... Dis Discovery shows that in the 23rd century, there was like, you know, 15 billion shuttlecraft on the Enterprise. So, you know, Voyagers has got them like, you know, packed away somewhere. Mm -hmm. The overhead uh, bin compartments. No, yeah. but yeah, there's there's definitely a theme, I think, to the best episodes that we've picked. It's stuff that isn't really heavily focused um, on the ship. They're mostly planet side episodes, I think, from what we've described. And it touches a lot of the tertiary cast members instead of focusing in on the big ones, with the exception, in my case, of Unity, which was uh, obviously a Chakotay heavy. Let's get to the uh, let's get to the good stuff here, Joe. This is what people came here for the worst episodes <sighs> you know the most fun i had going back over our episodes because you know we spent essentially seven eight months watching the season of voyager and recording episodes and editing and then some of the stuff isn't fresh in my mind anymore right like we watched basics part two before christmas and you have to sometimes reacquaint yourself with what your opinions were of something. Unfortunately, ours are recorded. So I went back and I listened to like, I knew this was shit. Let me go listen to this again and see precisely how much shit it really was. 
And boy, oh boy, there are some massive turds in season three. Some ones that we did not enjoy. It's, I will say that most of them happened in the first half of the season. Uh, here's my list for the contenders for bottom three. The Q and the Gray. Flashback. Basics Part 2. False Prophets. Sacred Ground, which I defended at the time, but in We're retrospect, wrong. in retrospect, right. I recognized that it was not good. Yeah. Coda. Displaced, which you may forget what that episode even was. <laughs> That's the one with the sad sack. Sad sack. Yes. Yes. Uh, Scorpion Part 1. Because we spent two hours talking about how much we hated it as a contender. What are your contenders, sir? I loved season three. And it is a shame that the low points had to be so catastrophically fucking miserably low. I was not able to come up with a full five contenders to put in my worst episodes i there's only three terrible episodes in this season and they are so fucking bad they are the three worst episodes i may have ever seen in any star trek property period yes i know uh, what ones you're gonna pick too and they're probably the same as me but you you start us off this time scorpion part one the q and the gray and false prophets uh, Scorpion, obviously, two hours into blasting this thing with all of the cannons. Like, the offense is here, isn't that they're just bad episodes? And in the past, my big complaint is like, I don't want, you know, the worst offense that this show can do to me is make me feel like I've wasted my time. It's not the case. These three episodes have really transcended the 45 minutes of life that I would have been willing to give to them and just <laughs> tore at the very fabric of not only good TV, but Star Trek. Scorpion part one, the completely bonkers decision chain that Janeway goes down. Q and Gray for cosmic level fuckery. And then false prophets for dragging Gilligan's Island into Voyager and doing it so terribly, terribly wrong. Joe, what'd you have to settle as your, your worst offender? Before I, I give you my bottom three... I want to give a very dishonorable mention to Flashback. It is not among my bottom three, by dint of three things being even worse. But holy shit, did I forget how much I hated that episode. Which one was Flashback? That was the one they did for the Trek uh, anniversary. Oh, yeah. LARPing with Sulu. LARPing with Sulu. And it it was the minimal LARP effort redo of star trek six my beloved favorite star trek six like i know that i have a unique hatred for that episode because of my undying love of star trek six and how it was basically a low rent community theater version that's my exact quote from the episode version of that movie but uh, i just want to say one last time before hopefully i forget about it forever fuck you to fucking flashback you, you you ruined something beautiful for me. Um, but it is not in my bottom three because I had to sit that- on flashback and really stop and like think like, hmm, I know I liked everything with Sulu, but was it a good episode? And just reading through my notes, I'm like, this was just a fuck. That was a waste of time and it was stupid. And they squandered 
what should have been an awesome experience and just turned it into crap. Like that was, that was pretty indicative of what I thought the majority of season two and season one low points were. That was, yes, that was a hard it, throwback. It was, it, that is an episode that felt like a, a season one or two episode. Yes. And another episode that felt like that, another dishonorable mention is Coda. I don't want to let it off the hook. Um, it is not in the top three by virtue of the fact it does not do disastrous ruination of existing Star Trek canon. Like that's it. Like that's the only thing I can say it didn't do. It was every, it, it, it was uh, every, it, that episode had everything. It had bad writing. It had inconsistent uh, understanding of what its own plot was. Uh, it paid off in this bizarre way where like literally there's a, a, a evil space dad devil Hitler in everyone's brain trying to suck your soul. I mean, that's, that's what they do at the but, end. And going back and, to the tent post, like that's what I remember from that episode and like how bonkers it is that there is a parasite demon that will suck you off to hell. And, and that is a thing in the Delta Quadrant, if not just space in general, like it's so crazy. It almost becomes a cherished memory. <laughs> it's Coda like, was like pretty cool up until like the halfway point. And then it's like, wait, what the, f when they throw away the multiple deaths and it turns into, I'm your dad and come into the light. And then it just got fucking miserable at the end of this. Like, it was season, like two spec scripts. They're like, they just like smashed together. And I'm like, okay, this is it now. Blended them together. Like a card player. <laughs> and yeah. Like it just, it was awful. And uh, it is only not on my bottom three because it is awful in isolation and then thrown away. Uh, my bottom three are the same as yours. I think the order is different. Uh, my third worst was uh, False Prophets. Uh, I want to remind everybody that in the episode False Prophets, two Ferengi off camera beat up an armed Federation security detail and then escape to their shuttle get into their shuttle, escape from Vo inside Voyager in their shuttle, and then manage to step after step fuck up the three-foot putt Voyager has to go home via a wormhole that they could have gone into and left at any time. That is what they do in that episode. They they give you the ultimate out for the, for the crew, and they're not taking it because they're too busy putzing around with some leftovers from what season three of TNG, some minor character jabroni fucks. False from Prophet should have been a five panel comic out of a mad cracked magazine. Yes. That's, that's how bad it is. Uh, my second, my second worst is uh, Scorpion part one. It, it is because while the damage they do to the Borg is severe, and we spent two hours talking about it just recently, so I won't rehash it. They ultimately do some interesting things out of that. Seven of Nine, I'll defend Seven of Nine to the death. I think she ends up being a great character. These are saving graces for what otherwise is just like, what are you doing? What are, why are you doing this? Um, my worst though is the Q and the gray because unlike with what they do with the Borg uh, they never redeem anything they do with the Q they just turn them into stupid ass cartoon characters that get uh, clowned uh, like they're a bunch of, of clueless schmucks and not uh, 
omnipotent space gods who should be the scary, scariest shit the Federation should ever encounter. Uh, it's just awful. I re-listened to our entire episode about that, and we barely talk about the episode and spend probably half of the 50 minutes uh, complaining about why the how the writers of the episode clearly never understood what made the cue interesting in the first place. And that you looked that up that they didn't know. Scorpion and uh, Q and the Grey take old TNG toys and they break them and, and they, they do some pretty serious damage. I'll chalk that up to bad writing and people not really understanding the subject material. False Prophets was just bad buffoonery that was inexcusable. It had no no place in a serious television show because of how stupid they were. And like you said, like the, when, when I started listening, the, the whole thing about like them even getting involved in what the Ferengi were doing on this planet, how they felt any sort of compulsion to get involved in everything else. It was just, it was a shit bad episode. And I just think about it and I get really fucking pissed off. So uh, I give false prophets, my worst episode of season three, hands down. All right. So, there's our, our top three and our bottom three, but we have some special awards to hand out because this is our, our Oscar night. And one we came up with, I'm sorry, that you came up with, Peter, credit where credit's due, was the Weakest Shit Award. That each season, we found, find the moment, <laughs> Stevie turns around and is like, I can't wait to hear what <laughs> this one is. Uh, we find the moment that defines the weakest shit that happened in the season. And we've had some real winners in the past, like Janeway not bothering to try and rescue all of the people on Neelix's home moon. Unforgivable. <laughs> so we've got some contenders here for weakest shit. Let me read them off. Here are our contenders. This is your contenders. I got mine separate. Okay. Here are my contenders. Uh, Tom Paris holding a gun on the Q. <laughs> Rolling up to him with the Q weapon. Flintlock pistol, man. Just like like as if him. he's Florida man hiring someone to kill his <laughs> wife. And then there's uh Tom and Harry talking shit to Q in the holodeck fuck palace. Like he's just some asshole and not someone that can snap his fingers and turn him into to, to, uh, turnips. Not someone who put Jean-Luc Picard and the rest of humanity on fucking trial. Every, everyone from Star Trek Six acting effort in flashback. Uh, Kess touching the hell mouth in sacred ground. Mm. Everything about evil space devil brain dad and Coda. Making no fucking sense about his existence whatsoever. Uh, security guards getting beat up by unarmed Ferengi. And then uh, Seska and Lon Sutter's deaths in Basics Part 1. That was some weak shit too. Yeah, that is what I started my list off my uh, my weakest shit list. And here's the crazy thing about season three. So I love it. There's only a handful of episodes that I wasn't really fond of. Only three I outright hated a very potent three. But man, was there just dumb shit all over the place, starting with, like you said, the decision to kill Lon Suter and Seska. We joke about this heavily. We, you know, have deified you know put on this this divine pedestal lawn but it's you know that's how bad the character selection can be sometimes in voyager that when you finally have someone with a cool story arc seska 
Lon, I want more. I think these people could have added some real depth to the regular character cast, and the decision to kill them off uh, is inexcusable. Uh, I also had everything about the fucking Ferengi from their buffoonery escape um, security detail to them missing the wormhole that they could have easily flown through and and shut the series down, which don't even put that on the plate if you're not going to do it. That terrible. Uh, the subdermal implants I found to be some of the weakest shit out there when they finally do break them out mm -hmm. in uh, the spiritual mm -hmm. journey. Of course, the Q and the gray gun rush and uh, that entire series of events. I also want to give a special shout out to Janeway in Swarm, where she says, uh, fuck the Federation. We are going to invade Swarm space because I'm not willing to put 15 months of travel time onto our 70 year journey home. Uh, that is a, a token of some very irrational things that Janeway has engaged in over the course of season three where she, you know, will take a real strong stance on Federation morals one moment, and then the next moment do something. We're not going to get involved in this planet's conflict. Or, hey, fuck it, we're going to go in guns blazing and try and pull our people out. Uh, along with that, I also want to say one of the weakest shits uh, was Janeway's complete lack of hesitation to send a 14-year-old girl to space prison for life in the shoot. That, uh, that was yeah, another... Yeah, no, no, no chill whatsoever in doing that. Yeah. Uh, anybody else out in the chat room have any other mentions they want to throw out there before we crown the weakest shit of season three? I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest with everybody that's watching right now. I'm not sure how it's gonna be possible to top Tom Paris putting a gun on the Q general. <laughs> you can't I, even say it with like uh, yeah with like I feel. We're going to do Dragon Con again this year. And I feel like one of us should be in a Starfleet uniform with like a pirate's blunderbuss. And the other person <laughs> should be dressed up like a Confederate soldier to reenact that that fateful scene of Tom Paris pulling one over on the general of the Q Continuum Authority. Like if our Q of the John Delancey Q is supposed to be like just a normal like regular Q. That means like Tom Paris managed to get a gun on the Q Elder. Like the the Q head honcho, like a super Q, the Q like, provisor, yeah, the Q provisor, like he was a fucking nobody. Mm -hmm. That's Joe, just, that what's is your weakest weak. shit for season three? Can the you weak. can you beat the flintlock holdup? There is, uh, there's a lot of contenders. There's a lot of of possibilities. I will give my my single. Uh, dishonorable mention uh, to the uh, the deaths of Seska and Lon Suter as being straight up Jerry, like Jerry Taylor straight up saying, I don't want to go anywhere else with these characters, so kill them. Such a fucking waste. Um, you know, that's that that's awful, but nothing's going to top Tom holding a gun in the Q General. I, we do have a, someone in chat saying that Harry taking Voyager on a tour of LA and Future's End was some pretty weak shit, but like Harry's held accountable for that deeper in my, my list of awards. Don't worry. I didn't forget about that. Yeah. the It's funny. Like future Zen does a two parter. Uh, you know, it ends up kind of just being pretty medium. It's not the best nor the worst overall. Nothing in those episodes are, are particularly like stand out aside from the, how nineties everything is. Mm -hmm. But, uh, 
yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say Tom holding a gun on the queue. How about you, man? There are some very terrible things that were done in season three, but I'm going to say that without a doubt, the weakest shit in season three was the stupid decision to kill Bruce Willis's wife with a gun. Because in the future, if you are going to go to jail for any sort of murder, and you're gonna write a whole story about going back in time, because it's easier to kill people in time, there should be no guns, okay? This part just completely destroyed Luther. So bad to the point where it just completely spoiled my entire fun of that whole episode, whatever episode it was supposed to be, where we ended up talking about Looper and said, I cannot forgive it. it bust her over the head with a stick. Let her slip on a puddle and hit her head on the corner of a table. Let her die in the house when it's on fire. But your co-thugs should not have guns if murder is illegal and you're there to kidnap someone for time travel. <laughs> it's just, it's the weakest shit, without a doubt. I can't get over yeah, it. I'm listen, sorry. I... I understand that you really don't want to watch, appreciate Looper, probably one of the best sci-fi movies made in the past. Looper is good, but it's just stupid because because you just you just want to find a, a minor flaw in their time travel logic, and you know it's a major flaw. I understand, you know, it's your neck beard sprouting a little bit, but I still appreciate you as a man. That's fine. Like, yeah, no, uh, uh, the uh, the Ferengi. Oops, we missed the wormhole home. That would have been a fucking solid deal because uh, we slipped on a banana peel is essentially what happened. That, that's get the fuck out of here. That it should have been a blooper. It should have been a, a web comic. It should have been something out of lower decks, the animated series. Uh, it's Rick and Morty. It's not anywhere deserving of actual sci-fi in this. It's an insult to everybody who put the time in the watch. Agreed. Now let's let's turn our attention to a positive topic. Who was the best character this season, Peter? Mm, we, you know, it's funny how they jumble these things up every uh, every season. Who gets to be in the, the hot seat and, and who's going to go sit in the dummy corner. Um, you know, Neelix had a couple really good, uh, solid moments there. Uh, but I'm going to have to say the boss, the the guy who really came through, Chakotay, believe it or not. I I have him as a contender, much to my chagrin. Like, when I looked back at the season, Chakotay really didn't disappoint me at all. Chakotay uh, had a couple had, really good episodes, too. He had this very deep hole he started, and he started crawling out of it a little bit in season two, but in season three... Um, I think they really did a good job distancing himself from the politically incorrect lie of a cultural background he came out of um, and turned him into someone who was respectable. They, they turned him around from being a substitute teacher to a force to be reckoned with. I really enjoyed his use in the worst case scenario where he lays down some very hot takes on Janeway's uh, authority. And then in Scorpion, which was garbage, he becomes this line of reason that really endeared me to him. Um, honorable mention, of course, to the doctor who had several amazing episodes that he got to play in and flesh his character out. Kess, who did a great job the whole way through. Um, but Chakotay, the monumental task of turning him from a, a clown into, you know, one of the strongest producers uh, gets him my, my vote. Well, I will say Chakotay is the most improved. 
and uh, uh, my second choice is my honorable mention for all the reasons you just said. Uh, my favorite's Kess. Uh, two of my episodes I was strongly considering for top three are Kess episodes. And, you know, obviously we know that she is not long for the Voyager world. It's our last chance really to appreciate her. And as much as I feel like they kind of rushed her off, rushed her off, however you want to say it, uh, Warlord and Before and After are fantastic, and they're fantastic because of her. And so I'm going to say, with two of the top four episodes being essentially solo pieces by her, uh, Kess is my favorite character. That math adds up, man. Uh, and while we're talking about Kess uh, and her departure and Jennifer Lean, how would you like to indulge in some wild conjecture? I would love to indulge in wild conjecture. Please go on. I started reading up on what exactly happened, but you know, with how far we strayed off on the Scorpion podcasts, I didn't get into it. You know, you're a big Star Trek fan. I'm a big Star Trek fan. And it's hard to find information on what happened with Jennifer Lean. And I, we've talked before how Hollywood works and, you know, protecting your career and this and that. Kate Mulgrew had a very hard time by multiple accounts with Jennifer Lean uh, exiting the show. The final scene between her and Kess uh, seemed to be very teary. I couldn't find anything solid, but uh, it seems to be commonly believe that both Kess and Harry Kim were initially on the chopping block. They wanted to bring seven on. There's some talk that uh, the studio didn't want to pay for 10 big actors. Um, and by most accounts, uh, Garrett Wang was, uh, was going to be the one that got cut loose. They had him covered in all the alien snot that was giving him a very slow, painful death. And in the season break between, uh, three and four, he kicked his publicist publicist in the ass and said, hey, get out there, get my name out. And somehow Garrett got himself voted one of the 50th most beautiful people by Time magazine. What? And Damn. some accounts say like, well, you know, Voyager didn't want to give up uh, this newfound, you know, talent and, and attention by cutting one of the most beautiful people loose. So that's kind of like the public story. And then I found, believe it or not, old Reddit there. Why did Kess leave Voyager? And it gets into some pretty scandalous accusations that uh, uh, Jerry Taylor wanted her son, uh, who you know is Borix, to date uh, Jennifer Lean. And Jennifer Lean wasn't having it and said no. And there was uh, some backlash. And in the uh the following months it was uh decided that she was going to be scooted along thank you very much <laughs> wow okay so the the theories are either that garrett wang in what i can only state is the uh jess mcconville uh glorious uh appearing uh got voted uh one of the sexiest people alive somehow I, did they just really need someone Asian for the list? And he was the only one that like, I mean, think about how. it too, especially in the nineties. It's, I, I couldn't tell you another really mainstream popular Asian male actor from the nineties. You got me there, man. Like that's just insane to me. Doughy, doughy face, Terry Kim. I mean, I he's not, to be fair, he's not an ugly dude and I'm not going to 
<laughs> Stevie had some shit to say there. I'm not uh you know, I'm not a fucking Adonis over here with a chiseled chin. My my doughy ass ain't gonna be calling nineties Garrett Wang doughy by any account, but uh it's still I, I don't know. Hard to believe. And then the other one though is that's just that's some dark Hollywood shit. Like I I find that more believable, to be honest with you. Jackie Chan got thrown out there. Jackie Chan transcends the 90s, man. You, you can't say he was a 90s person. He's just a force in nature. He's always out there. And I don't think Jackie Chan's going to really get tagged as a, 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 his primary talent isn't going to be attractive. It's going to be badass stunts in his own movies. Uh, he's also not sitting heavy, nor is Jet Li in uh, regular, you know, primetime programming. They're, they're movie stars, not uh, the normal stomping ground for those types of lists. What was the worst character? I'll tell you which one it is. It's Janeway. Mm. I don't even have to think hard about it. I, 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 when I was going back, Janeway's like the problem, and most of the bad episodes, like, just, just it, and it, I'm not even gonna say again that it's, it's, uh, it's Kate Mulgrew's fault. It's these writers' fault. They write her character to be the fucking worst all the time. And it is so painful and so awful. But it accumulates. And it's like episode after episode, she's the worst part because they have to have her make stupid-ass decisions. And the the shit in Scorpion is the primary example. Like, Scorpion Part 1 is about Catherine Janeway a woman who thought it was unacceptable to give uh, the fucking Kazon the, a, a fucking replicator that it is perfectly fine to give the Borg uh, deadly bioweapons so that they could defeat the only thing that's ever been seen to be able to defeat them. To give the Borg a hull pass and a life vest, a, a wooden door so they can survive the Titanic and come back and destroy the fucking galaxy. Yes. Janeway does that. Like it's a it's a lack of consistency. She she's hard as nails for the prime directive, and then she'll be hard as nails against common sense in the prime directive. It's um she's like fucking two face, man. One side of the quarter, one side of the Federation tokens all cut up and covered in dog shit, and the other one's, you know, still stinks like dog shit because it's on the other side of the quarter. <laughs> You can't, you know, these episodes, they reset themselves. The characters don't remember what happened last week, but I do. And it, it drives me nuts. Uh, yeah, Janeway was one of my two uh, people I considered there for that Federation double standard. And, and yeah, we can go right down through the list of all the bad episodes and they heavily feature her and these unilateral stupid decisions that endanger everybody's life and just beg for mutinies that we never get. Um. My other big contender for it, coincidentally, is Harry Kim, who, aside from the shoot, is a clown and a buster pretty much this entire season. Yeah. Uh, Highlights include flying Voyage over San Francisco and super contaminating the shit out of the timeline, Um, getting completely cuckolded by uh, Tuvok in the Catfish episode with uh, the holodeck pleasure you remember which one was that? oh yeah 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 that's i, I know what one you're talking about the, which the was a pretty sweet episode i, I like that one 
um, you know, him being afraid to commit to a three-way on Cougar Planet. <laughs> yep. You know, as well as the, the bevy of crimes he commits unprompted. I mean, ultimately, sure, they're trying to suck his soul and turn him into a mummy or whatever. But still, he didn't have proof. And he did just flat out murder that lady unprovoked hey, just because she hey, wanted to touch his pee pee. Very <laughs> dim. And let's Trying not forget the biggest with the T three thousand. I'm just saying. Also that, and let's not forget the uh, immediate follow up. Harry Kim uh, being all about having sex with uh, Tom and Kess's child. <laughs> I mean, how can you top that? Like a, a time travel. Uh, how you top like, it is you give the fucking Borg uh, a pass on being eradicated. That's what it takes <laughs> to outdo Harry Kim banging his best friends three-year-old daughter okay is is giving the borg permission to kill everybody on a long enough time harry kim was probably present at that child's birth and watched it grow up over the course of a year and was having sex with her before that year was over ah. yeah the way that you top <laughs> the way that you top uh harry kim doing these terrible things is you tell the executive producer's son no i won't go on a date <laughs> Oh, gosh. Poor Jennifer Lane. Things have not been the same for her since. I want to clarify, too, just for the record. I mean, that's shit I read off of Reddit. God only knows what the truth is. Um, I'm going to Dragon Con again this year. Heads up, Garrett, if you're out there and if you run another Trek track <laughs> Voyager panel, I'm coming with some fucking loaded questions. So <laughs> you better watch your ass, buddy. Thrown out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, maybe I will get thrown out. Oof. Uh. We've got some more awards here. I like these awards. Next one up. Most sexy, sexy time. Because we really do need to... Starting with season three, we're going to need this one. <laughs> you know? Man, and this is a hard one to put in there because we've had some real talk about this topic. Voyager started off as a very bold concept and it took them a long time to find their footing. But they made some great new strides and and really explored in a different directions. Vidians, Skevians, Kazan. I mean, they're all things that seem kind of silly at first, but I think they found their footing later on or conceptually really grew on me. And then by the end of this episode or this uh, season, by the beginning of this season, they just, you know, they reach out and they, they tag in their partner, which is uh, TNA. And I think it was a big betrayal of uh, what could have been, but it was absolutely you know, studio interference thinking like this is what's going to put people in front of the television, somehow forgetting everything that got them where they were. Not to say that there wasn't plenty of like uh, skin tight uh, spandex uh, action with Marina Sirtis in the late 80s to early 90s, but it somehow felt far less exploitive <laughs> than what they started to do in this season of Voyager. Uh, we've got some shout outs already. The Q and the gray where the Q turns Janeway's quarters into the Swedish love hotel shutter. That's <laughs> Mike Nye, that uh, LOL at Neelix feet also <laughs> on that one. Mm -hmm. uh, that is solid. Uh, it's I, I would say the my most sexy, sexy time uh, was Harry Kim trying to tie up his would be three cents <laughs> like he's into some kinky shit like that was like his his activity was that he wanted to 
convinced these ladies he wanted to like bone them while they're blindfolded and, and chained to the bed or something like that. Uh, that's my most sexy, sexy time. Here's my my rundown. Uh, of course, we had Planet Cougar, which conceptually was very sexy, sexy time, but their unif- their their outfits were terrible. So I think we distance ourselves from that easily. The Talaxian slash Polynesian uh, place replace, replacement for Sandrines, which was nothing but girls in bikinis and dudes in dong straps all the time. Shout out to Macroism, where they get the terrible CGI floating poopies to go in there and start attacking holograms. Um, the seven of nine pose, the made-for-computer wallpaper introduction to her silver suit, which was just blatant uh, sex on screen. Oh, that's season four. <laughs> you're, you're jumping Oh, in I'm sorry. I've pulled back the curtain. Spoiler! That fucking thing. Uh, so I'm going to put my my top rated most sexy sex time with the only redeeming part of false prophets which was the native population harem which we titled under boob for days which is perhaps the only time that you know straight up lewd sexy time really belongs anywhere in in voyager is in the presence of some nasty ass frangy flesh peddlers uh the fun world building award uh i think begin has to begin and end with something you alluded to already and that is uh the necrid expanse uh space station and the sudden out of nowhere the delta quadrant is this cool gritty you know untamed part of the galaxy and you kind of get a taste of this version of this world that could have been and was not uh, was the most fun world building I think they did in season three, and unfortunately uh, saw only a little bit of follow up afterwards. Uh, they, it was a taste of the Voyager that could have been, and unfortunately, very rarely is. I think that season three did a terrific job of building out not only the Delta Quadrant in some key situations, but life in the Federation overall. And I think maybe that's why I really enjoyed season three to the degree I did was the amount of details and stuff they fleshed out. You know, they did a great job making Tuvok interesting through his own. That was like the only cool part out of uh, flashback. That's a LARPing with Sulu Excelsior episode was, you know, him talking about some of the cool shit he went through there. Uh, I will say that their attempts to make Chakotay better by getting rid of his goofy made up religion. Uh, is offset by them whitewashing away his Maquis behavior and a lot of Maquis behavior for the rest of the crew as well. But uh, some some good points for the world building on me. Absolutely, the Necritic Expanse station. Um, I really liked in Macroism the goofy aliens that like had the weird gestures. I thought it's hard for Star Trek to put stuff up out there. Alien races that actually come out they feel alien yeah. aliens. And I think those guys really nailed it hard, uh, especially when they became very dangerous and very scary later on with this zealous approach to uh, purifying the minor colony and then wanting to come and blow up Voyager because they had been infected. Uh, Real Life, which is the Doctor's holodeck family episode, 
uh, getting Volky with it, some of the Federation prejudices against Klingon culture. Um, they did more in that episode than I think they really realized, and that was all excellent. But my favorite moment of world building out of season three came from uh, our introduction to what happens when a Vulcan wears a Hawaiian shirt. And uh, that's <laughs> given us courtesy of Borix. That full button up, it, it was it was so on the nose. I loved it, and uh, and there you go. So the, I guess the next uh, award that we have listed here that you wanted to give away uh, was best guest star. Uh, it's hard to top, in my opinion, the addition of Sarah Silverman into the Star Trek oh. universe. It, you know, she was stuck out so, so much in that episode because she clearly is trying to play it straight when she's a comedic actress and was being asked to do shit she should never have been asked to do. Uh, I wouldn't say she was the best, though. Uh, remember Senator Kelly from Remember? Absolutely, man. Best X-Men cameo, hands down. I, I'm thinking of all that, like... He was he was a good character. Like he was. Remember, he was wasn't that episode? Everybody did a good job in that episode. I I don't want to shit on that episode. Like it wasn't it wasn't bad, and it certainly wasn't Voyager bad. There was a lot of good stuff. Just ultimately, it was kind of a I don't know. It like you said, it, it pointless it by the end of it. I've got it, an award for that episode specifically later on. I it I Senator Kelly. In that episode, Bruce Davidson is his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he he might be the best. I can't give it to George Takei. Like, I, he did a good job in flashback. He was the only one who did. Like, he seemed to be the only one pleased to be there. It definitely made me wish that they had given him, like, an opportunity to play that character again in a real way. Done, like, some kind of show with him or something. Uh, but it was in service to what was otherwise shit. And uh, I did not enjoy the experience of watching that. But Senator Kelly in Remember was actually like the most compelling part. Like the scene where she's he's convincing Bolana, but not Bolana, about how her boyfriend is evil. Uh, you know, like in the insidious nature of their like race, racial patrons. Yeah. Uh, was done, well done on his part. Like he he, he tried hard. He did. He gave it all his full effort. Yeah, maximum effort. Uh, I'm going to go with my best guest star, Howard fucking Hamlin, man. <laughs> Favorite son. I I can't wrap my mind around how much of Better Call Saul ended up in this, but seeing Howard Hamlin chilling out, doing biker crank, having his three ways, getting turned into a mummy, just loving life to its fullest, live fast and die young. Uh he is part of what just made that a, a great episode that I loved to hate and hated to love. It's, it's magic. That's uh that's the fun of season three for me, man. Best AI flip out. And boy, howdy, did we get some front row to this? We have put a lot of time and discussion on this podcast into what the doctor is and isn't the life of a hologram, the difference between, uh, the divisions of labor between recreational holograms and utility holograms and the antagonisms that can exist between the two of them. Um, 
what uh, what are what are some of your memorable moments here? Well, obviously, you think of Darkling, right? Uh, sure. You know the whenever you get Robert Picardo to dig out uh, teeth prosthetics, he's kept a hold of since he did a werewolf movie in the what seventies, I guess, or whatever. Uh, that that's special, and you know it's probably the most prominent version of that. Of gosh. So let me tell you what I got. We've got uh, we've got uh, Darkling, and specifically the moment in there I loved was uh, him torturing Bellana with the hypo spray, which was a very nice insight to what can this technology do when it's being abused. Um, worst case scenario, when they go to treat Tom's phaser wound in sickbay, instead uh, the doctor injects him with like nitric acid and then choke slams Tuvok into the bio bed. Very nice. Scoot him off. That was very funny. But I think my favorite moment of the doctor being naughty and off his rails was in Coda, the first part of Coda, when it's just Janeway dying over and over again. She gets the phage, and uh, the doctor quickly assesses that there's nothing he can do other than give her a clean, fast death. And I think that was a really nice example of some classic, cold, methodical math not working out in the favor of the the human leadership. I thought that Janeway, uh, you know, Kate Mulgrew really portrayed uh, a frantic, scared death in that one. And um, Picardo played it off well as, you know, I'm doing this. I don't enjoy doing this. I'm, I'm trying to help you. And, uh, you know, sorry, Dave, I can't do that. We've had a a, a listener suggestion of when Bolana goes to try and disarm the holodeck during the catfishing episode and all of the uh, the Polynesian fuck palace holograms try and choke her out and, and kill her and Tuvok. Uh, is it a good AI uh, flip out? But I, I think that's too little agency in, in those AI programs. And instead... Actually, we'll give the award to the doctor when he is the colonel to Lon Suter's Solid Snake and is <laughs> instructing him in in how to sabotage a ship and kill Kazons. That is, uh, you know, him at channeling his inner Che Guevara. And uh, I like it. I like that the AI turned murderous the moment he had reason to. No one had to order him to. He just went. And he utilized the fact that he had a psycho at his disposal and told that guy to go kill everybody. Yeah, he goes zero to genocidal very easily. And, uh, you know, that's the kind of person you want to have in your corner when your ship's getting boarded every other week. Shame that Chakotay pulled him off and spared all the sad sacks of a brutal holographic death. Uh, best line. I, I know what mine is. You'll never guess it. It's a mystery. Let me see here. Uh, I really like the one uh, Chakotay threw out where he's making fun of himself about being the only uh, Indian who can't make a fire. A it's fourth. true. That's good. Q's one redeeming quality out of Q in the gray where he orders Neelix's bar rodent to make him. Damn it. Drink. All right. You did guess it. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Uh, Chakotay's mutiny speech in worst case scenario is probably some of the best writing and most appreciated um, moments out of the entire series for me. I think, like I said before, it had to come way earlier and having someone say it and forcing what I felt, and I know you, you feel differently, but making the viewer 
acknowledge the fact that what Voyager and what Janeway does is stupid, but it's the right thing to do because the alternative is too cutthroat for anything you can put a moral backing on. But I'm going to say my best line comes down in Warlord where possessed Kess is like she has the dead opposition's little brother that is she trying to like co-opt into her regime for legitimacy and her old wife who is getting pulled along on this crazy adventure is like yeah by the way we're all gonna fuck uh, <laughs> he's new he's gonna help us legitimize the the government and she's a real sweetheart and we're gonna be a big sexy family look i've got my thigh high boots on we're gonna do this now let's go to the bedroom uh my- that's the winner my second favorite, since you guessed my favorite, which was Q mm-hmm. calling Neelix bar rodent, which is just the only part of that episode that was redeemable. Uh, so I remembered it. Uh, the the speech that uh, Sulu gives Kang in a flashback, like they do, it's the piece of the timeline from Star Trek VI that wasn't actually in the movie, and it was like S- Sulu trying to sneak into to Klingon space, like through a nebula. And then uh, Kang, played by the original actor who played Kang in the original series, being like, hey, what the fuck are you doing here? So it was like, oh, we're lost. My engine's out. Maybe can you help me out? Can you get me out of here, buddy? Thanks, pal. You're the best, Kang. And is like to Tuvok, like, shoot a fucking torpedo in that goddamn nebula. You shit. Sh- sh- light that shit on fire. <laughs> get that Cause fucking clear up piece of Cause shit. Cause a disaster. Do it. Do it. <laughs> so... That 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 was my favorite bit of dialogue. Was was you know, was was Sulu like, what, hey, what's going on? It's, it's, uh, hey, buddy, what's up? That's I liked it. So uh, we're at an hour, man, and we haven't talked about something that I feel like we need to talk about. Um, and it's not exactly related to Voyager, but surprisingly, is tangentially related to Voyager. That is the new Picard trailer. Have you seen it? Yeah, we had our discussion about it in the trauma support group. Um, I don't. Man, I'm scared. My my fears <laughs> are not being appeased here, and uh, my butthole is fully clenched at this part point. I am cautiously optimistic. Is the way I would describe it. Uh, I f- understand the fear. I don't have a lot of trust in some of the people around it. I am pleased that Kurtzman is not show running it and that more capable people seem to be in charge of it. I am heartened by the plot. The plot appears to be that it's Borg related, specifically that the Romulans appear to have been doing some kind of experimentation on the Borg. That's there's scenes of that shown in the trailer. And that ties in, it ties in really directly, apparently, with both the end of Voyager and some things I don't actually want to talk about because it would spoil it for you. And uh, Hugh and the episodes, you know, Iborg and uh, Descent, I think, the two-parter that ends season six and goes into season seven, where they run into Hugh again and lore and all that. So it whatever is happening in the show seems much more steeply ensconced in TNG lore and Trek lore in a way that Discovery obviously cannot fucking bother to allow themselves to be attached to. And 
that gives me hope. Uh, I have heard through a source that I think is reputable because they were right about some things about the show being delayed, which ended up being announced this past weekend, uh, is that the initial uh, trajectory of the show didn't have nearly as much involvement of past figures of Trek. And they got, they got scared and that's why it's being delayed because they're doing a lot of reshooting and restructuring of episodes so that they can add in more things from TNG, which is why I think all of a sudden you heard about, you know, all of a sudden we got seven to nine and then we got data and then they announced that Riker and Troy are going to be in it. And I, I very much doubt that, you know, any stones will be unturned by the end of this. I don't know if that's good or bad, but if they've got this plot dialed in in a way that feels like something that, that comes out of the storylines that TNG gave us, then I'm, like I said, cautiously optimistic. I want it to succeed, obviously. I want it to be great. Um, my opinion is still that Next Gen was should not have been you know, reanimated that they should have left good enough alone and tried to fuller, further develop the story with uh, with new people. That being said, there's obviously a financial component. CBS knows that this this is like Final Fantasy VII remake, right? In case yeah. of emergency, Sony will remake Final Fantasy VII. It's happening. Um, CBS wants to make CBS uh, all access work. Uh, they've hit the right price point where. Patrick Stewart's back involved. Of course, we're going to see everybody else from Next Gen because what else are they doing? Um, you know, I think you're going to see single scenes with these characters to kind of catch up with them, which is fine. It's really all you need. You're not going to, I don't expect to see Marina Sirtis or, uh, you know, Frakes try and strap back on a space suit and be back in the saddle in a regular capacity. So, you know, on paper, it all sounds like something that I'd be very interested in just watching it. I'm afraid that these new people they're going to be plugging in are going to be a little too plucky and just grading. Um, and the whole thing just kind of feels by the trailer that I watched like a big fan made heavy fan service. I don't know. It, it looks like it's shot on a cell phone. Like something's wrong about the cinematography. It's, it's too high def. I, I don't know. I can't put my finger on it, but. Um, the engage at the end was so cringy. Okay, so you did cringe on that too. That's oh yeah, not just me. I think that was done entirely for the uh, trailer. By the way, that looked that looked like something they did so they could end the trailer with that. Um, but that was like, hey, fan service guys, fan service. I want to talk about data real quick too, which I'm yeah. pissed that the fucking YouTube clip I saw like started with data's face. I see so many people getting like so butthurt about this, like. Brett Spiner said a long time ago, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't look like I did back in my 20s. I'm an unaging android. Like, this is why I want out of the, the franchise. I don't know what they're doing to, like, CGI his face in there. But uh, if you go on YouTube and look up, um, oh, damn it, deep, deep fakes, you'll see, mm -hmm. like, Terminator 2 only at Sylvester Stallone's laid over. Uh, um, it's Schwarzenegger with uh, Sylvester Stallone's face. Like, the technology is out there. It's unsettling. We can get into Uncanny Valley and all other stuff. But, you know, if the effort's there, whatever. You know, take what you can get. Move on. It's going to happen. It's not going to look perfect. We're not talking about a fucking, you know, major summer blockbuster movie budget here. It's 
a web series essentially uh i'm fine with it so am i i I, you know if if brent spider wants to do it then great if they need to use cg to make him more look like the aging android that he is then great Mm -hmm. uh i'm no problem with that whatsoever i've also didn't mind the tarkin thing in in rogue one so i thought tarkin looked really good i did too so this would obviously look a little bit smoother than that um you know, I I find it interesting that the thing I saw the most buzz about was Seven of Nine, which goes to show like there's a whole sort of era of Star Trek consumers that love that character. Well, let's and, let's let the rest of Voyager speak on that because right now the last thing that I saw was her standing in the pose and very clearly a sexy cat suit. So uh, I believe you when you say that she's a great actress and that you know she really fleshes this character out. But right now. I'm not feeling it. And the decision to include her, is it something that's appearance based or is it something that's going to be some real merit? Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing your predictions come true. If the plot is what it appears to be about, which is some Borg drama as a consequence of the Romulans being makes sense to involve her then, then her involvement makes sense as the fact that they're bringing back Hugh, the guy who played him is in this. So, like, there you go. Those are the two big connections, personally, to the Federation and to potentially to Picard of former Borg drones that could be involved in this. So, Well, we actually just talked about that, too, in uh, Scorpion Part 2, which we haven't premiered yet. But, you know, what is... If your biggest enemy to the Federation is the Borg, and you need to be merciless because they're going to be merciless with you, you can't move forward on this assumption that, hey... You know, my brother just got assimilated. We can bring him back. They brought back Lacutus. They brought back Seven of Nine. Like, no, Borg must be eradicated. There can be no second chance to those who have been assimilated because if you show hesitation, the Borg are going to fuck you up. So maybe exploring that. Like, again, it, this all sounds good. I, I, I want this thing to succeed. It sounds good on paper. You and I discussing it sounds good. It's just who the fuck are these other people that they're going to be jamming into this as part of Picard's crew who are probably going to eat up the majority of screen time with picard are they gonna piss me off and just be shitty casting choices or are we gonna get you know some solid dudes out of this well i think that's gonna wrap us up we're a little over time uh, uh i want i want i want one more one more uh, one more award okay. yeah biggest you know asshole Peter? who are you gonna give I'm... your biggest <laughs> asshole to all right so there were a few awards we, need, we we haven't discussed but i agree the one i'm most interested in giving is biggest asshole uh, the biggest asshole award. Let me consider that for a second. Hmm. Oh, I, I, I have to think like when I think of the character that did the most asshole thing, it would have to be Tuvok, right? For what? Well, he did break the bro code with with Harry. Kim. Oh, he he did. Yeah, that's pretty. That's I don't think they have a bro code on on. Uh on uh, Vulcan though. That's true. That might not. Bro code is very illogical. (laughs) Uh, You know, he, uh, huh? Well, you, you put some thought on this one. Let me sure. Ruminate on this. I want to go with uh, Balana and remember for making the fucking doctor go through the horror of having his little daughter die in front of him for a crazy <laughs> square accent that for whatever reason, he can't just magic away. Um, that is uh, the kind of thing that 
will only, I think, inspire future AI revolts and keep her at perpetual odds with robot people, hologram people, and all the other artificial intelligences of the Delta Quadrant. That is pretty bad. I, I'm going to say the biggest asshole is... God. I, I kind of want to say that the biggest asshole is actually Ensign Vorik for being a crazy space rapist that won't, you know, allow himself to be contained. But he's he ends up just getting beat by Bolana in the world's worst fist fight, so I can't really say that. Hey, that another that biggest much... asshole out of that same episode, probably Tom, for uh, you know not having sex with Bolana to save her life. Yeah, what a troll. Uh, yeah, so I, there's a couple of really potent asshole out there. Um, ultimately, I'm going to go with my number one spot to uh, Harry Kim's super annoying son in uh, <laughs> whatever that cast time travel. That kid's voice just cuts right through me, and he made that. He probably cost that an honorable mention for a uh, best episode. So, you know what? I yeah. found it. I found the biggest asshole. The biggest asshole are the entirety of the uh, Voth, the dinosaur people uh, with super technology and trans warp that apparently do not give enough of a shit to do anything about the Borg. Why would they have to? Because species 8427 is already fucking them in the ass. And the dinosaur people, being an enlightened race, know that, hey, you know what? Chill out. Let nature take its course. Life finds a way. Jurassic Park, Jurassic Park, Jurassic Park. And then once everything's done, we'll get involved and clean up the rest. Like the dinosaur people are just like, you know, the Green Lantern Corps guardians of the galaxy dudes that just chill out and they steer things they're like the responsible cute they just you know they want to believe that they don't want to believe in evolution that's all that's that's your fatal flaw all right folks thanks for joining our Beezer please season three rest in peace i hope it has been entertaining for you uh we'll figure out another way to do live streams now that the uh the ever handy google hangouts is going away uh this will be uploaded as our episode this thursday so uh you can count on our review of Scorpion Part 2 to come to you uh, af- on uh, August 1st. I apologize. I don't have time to edit up a-, a podcast on top of this. My birthday's on Thursday, and I'm turning into crap at 36. So I'm going to be cruising on uh, roller coasters at Kings Island. Uh, Peter, I know that you will spiritually identify with the roller coaster life. So uh, we'll get you some extra V'ger Please action next week.